Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Who's having a great summer? Come on, who's having a great summer? How many are looking forward to 4th of July this week? Come on, anybody got any big plans? Let's do a little survey here. How many of you do fireworks on 4th of July? Raise your hand. How many do that? Put them down. How many don't do fireworks on 4th of July? Raise your hand. It's about half and half. I remember when I was a kid, I loved doing fireworks. I loved taking my parents' money and setting it on fire. Come on, you like that? Right? Now that I'm a dad, we don't do fireworks because I know that's my money they're setting on fire, right? I'm excited about 4th of July and all that comes with that. In fact, before we jump in today, I just got to tell you this funny story. This week, my sister texted me, and she was telling me about her about her daughter. She has a daughter who I think is about seven years old, and so 4th of July is coming, and they went over to some friend's house, and it just happened to be those kind of people that at their house, they decorate for every holiday, you know what I'm saying? It's like Christmas, Halloween, 4th of July, so they just happened to have like lights and 4th of July stuff all over the house, and they had this big giant cutout of Uncle Sam in front of of the house. Why? I don't know, but they did have that. And so my, my sister asked her seven-year-old daughter, do you know who that is? And she said, of course, mommy, I know who that is. That's Donald Trump. <laughs> now that's funny right there. I don't even care who you are. That's, that's funny. And I love summer. I love this time of year. I love 4th of July. I love vacations. And I know a lot of people are, are traveling this weekend and all that with the holiday weekend. And, and I love it in July that we celebrate the freedom that we have in our country here in America. But also here at LifeGate, every single July, we celebrate the freedom that we receive through the Word of God. Come on, how many know that God's Word has the power to set people free? God's Word has the power to change lives. In fact, every single July, we really take a focus. We make it what we call Bible Month here in July to really focus on the life-changing power of God's Word. In fact, really, it just comes from our vision as a church, changing lives and a changing culture with what? With the unchanging truth. We believe that God's Word has power. We see it all through the Scripture that Jesus would speak a word and it would change a life. And here's what we know. It only takes one word from God to change a life. And it's not just the spoken word of God, but we believe that the written word of God, that the words that are in the pages of the Bible have the power to change lives. And that is our vision as a church. That's the reason every single July we come together and we celebrate God's word. And really every July we have two goals. Everybody say two goals. Two goals, two things that together as a church we are trying to accomplish. The first one is this, is I want to get the word of God in you. So everybody say, get the word in me. Get the word of God in you. Man, in July, here's what we really try to do is teach you how to not just come to church and hear a sermon, but how to really read and study the Bible and hear from God on your own. And so every July, we just take some passages of Scripture, we study them together. This year, we happen to be studying one of my favorite books in the whole Bible, the book of Ephesians. In fact, if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bible app or your LifeGate app, you can go ahead and get ready because today we're going to be in Ephesians 
chapter 2. And what we're doing in this month, really it's about six weeks, is that there are six chapters in Ephesians. And so we're taking six weeks to look at each chapter in the book of Ephesians. And we have, we have given you a resource to help you to know how to study the Word of God for yourself. It's called SOAP. Everybody say SOAP. So this is a Bible study resource that we taught you about last year. In fact, you can pick up one of these soap cards at the Welcome Center today. We gave them all to you last week as well. And what soap does is it just teaches us how to read and not just read the Bible, but actually study the Bible and hear what God wants to say through this soap method, scripture observation, application, and prayer. And here's what we're doing together as a church. Every single Sunday, we're coming together, taking one portion of Ephesians from each chapter and we're soaping it together. So everybody say soap it together. We're soaping it together. Today we're going to do that a little bit today in Ephesians chapter 2. But this is what we're also challenging you to do is every single day we've broken down Ephesians to a daily Bible study for you. Today is July 1st so you're going to do Ephesians 2, 6, and 7. And here's what you're going to do. You're just going to take it and go through this soap method and we're challenging every one of you to do it every single day. So everybody say every single day. Every day doing that together. And then this year, our word for the year as a church is family. So here's what we've challenged you to do. Don't just come on Sundays and soap it together with your church. Don't just do it every day as you're doing your soap. But do it together once a week as a family. In fact, we've broken it down into such small bite-sized pieces that you can sit around the dinner table and just do this little soap thing together as a family. We did it last week with our family. It was powerful. It was really, really cool to do that with our kids to study the Bible together. In fact, to show you how easy it is to do, we actually just did a little video on Facebook this week where myself and our team, who is a family here at the church as well, did it just to show you how easy it is. You can check that out on Facebook. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get the word of God in us. So everybody say, get it in me. But not only do we want to get it in you, we want to get it to people in the world who don't have a Bible in their language. In fact, I've told you every year there are over 300 major languages in the world of people who don't have the Bible in their language. If they wanted to read it, they couldn't read it because they don't understand it. And we believe that if the Word of God is so powerful in us, we need to get it to people who don't have it. And so we're challenging every single family. Everybody say it. Every family. Every family at LifeGate to to just do their part. I believe every family could do 15 Bibles to be translated through Fire Bible. That's $150. Some of you say that's a lot. Some of you say that's not very much. I don't know what it is for you, but I believe every single family could do it. And I'm going to show you a little way to do it at the end where you probably won't even miss it if you'll just join together and we're going to get it in us and we're going to get it to people who don't have it. How many will join me and help me with that throughout this month? Come on, right? Thank you for those four people that are going to help me. Yeah, I know we're going to get together and do this. So we're in Ephesians chapter two today and just to kind of set it up, review a little bit from last week. We learned last week that Ephesians is a book of the Bible. It's actually known as an epistle and an epistle is just a letter that was written by one of the apostles to one of the churches. Ephesians happened to be written by a man named Paul, and it was written to this church in this town called Ephesus. Everybody say, Ephesus. Ephesus. And Ephesus was an important city because 
of where it sat. It sat on a, on a really busy port where ships would come in and come out in Rome. And it was so important because people would come in and people would go out and information could be delivered around the world that was delivered to the city of Ephesus. And so Paul writes to these people some pretty important stuff. He knows that it's not just what the church is going to know, but because of where Ephesus is and the importance of that city, that it had the, it had the potential to spread throughout the world. And so he writes some important stuff. One of those most important things that he writes, we saw last week in our key verse for this series in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 17. Paul says, here's my prayer for you. I pray that you would know God. I'm praying that you would know God in the way that I know him. Because here's what I know. In fact, this is our key thought for this whole series is this. Knowing God changes everything. Why don't we say that together on the count of three? One, two, three. Knowing God changes everything. Everything changes in our lives when we begin to truly know God. And this is the theme we see all throughout the book of Ephesians. We see it continues into Ephesians chapter 2. And what we're going to study today in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It's going to be on the screen there for you. Why don't we read it together? It says, for we are God's handiwork. Now I said read it aloud, not a soft. So let's do this again, all right? We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Isn't that mind blowing? Like when you think about it, Paul said last week, you can know God. The God of the universe is not just one in the sky that looks down upon you and is not involved in your life, but he wants to know you and you can know him. Man, that blows your mind. But even greater than that is now Paul says that God of the universe, he's the one that created you. You are his masterpiece. You are his handiwork. You are his work of art. But not only did he love you, he made you and formed you in his image. That is incredible. And yet even greater than that, not only did he make you, form you, create you as his handiwork, he made you, listen to this, for a purpose. There was a purpose. There was a work that he created you to do on this planet. And even more mind-blowing than that is not only did he make you, and not only does he know you, and not only did he make you for a purpose, he actually created you specifically, uniquely designed to be able to do the purpose that he created you to do. And he gave you the power of his Holy Spirit to empower you to be able to do it. You have a purpose. In fact, why don't you look at your neighbor, just point at him, just tell him, you got a purpose. Come on, look at your other neighbor on the other side, tell him, you got a purpose. Now point at yourself and say, I've got a purpose. We have a purpose. God put us on this planet. He created us and put us here for his purpose purposes and that is incredible and yet it's also sometimes frustrating anybody ever been there all right pastor i know i have a purpose but i have no idea what it is come on anybody ever been there right in fact this is most people like i believe god has a purpose for me but i don't know what that purpose is 
And I want to talk about it a little bit today. In fact, this was our scripture, Ephesians chapter 2. We're soaping it together. What's the observation? If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The observation is this. The more I know God, the more I will know his purpose for me. Come on, do you get that? The more I know God, the more I'm going to be able to see and know the purpose that he has for me. You see, it all starts with him. He's the one that created you, and he's the only one who knows what he created you to do. In fact, I love what Rick Warren says about it, the author of The Purpose Driven Life. He says, it is God who is the maker of life, and he's the only one that can give us the meaning of life. And if we want to know what we're created to do, we got to start by looking at the maker. we got to start by looking at the author of life. In fact, it says it right here in our passage. You are God's workmanship. Listen to this. Created what? In Christ Jesus to do good works. Check this out. Where were you created? It says it right there. You were created what? In Christ Jesus. Now, if I want to know what I was created for, where do I have to start looking? I have to start looking where I was created. And so if I know that I was created in Christ Jesus, then in order to know what I was created for, what do I have to do? I have to look in Christ Jesus. Does it make sense? In order to know what God made me to do, I got to know him. I got to know his son. It all starts right there. God created you for a purpose. And he's the only one that can show you what that purpose is. In fact, I love the way the scripture says in Colossians 1.16, Paul writes in, in, in the message, he says, we look at this son, talking about Jesus, and God's original purpose in everything created, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him, and what? And finds its purpose in him. You want to know what your purpose is? Here's where you look. You look to Jesus. You want to know what you were created to do? You look to the one who created you. The more you know God, the more you will know what he created you to do. In fact, Paul writes about it in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. I love the way it says in the message, it is what? It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living, a part of the overall purpose that he is working out in everything and everyone. The Bible says if we want to know what we were created for, we got to start by knowing God's son, Jesus. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So that leads me to our application for today. How do I know God? And how do I know his purpose for me? And here's what I want to do. I want to get real practical today because here's a frustration I have as a pastor. So many people who say, yes, I know God has a purpose and yet don't know what it is. And so what I want to do is I want to take this passage and break it down. And I want to just give you four practical things that you can do to really discover God's purpose for your life. How many want to know God's purpose for your life, right? Here's what you do. Four things. Write them down. Number one, you got to start with prayer. Everybody say start with prayer. You got to start with prayer. That's where it all starts. In fact, look at our passage again in verse number 10. For we are what? We are God's workmanship. Now notice this. Whose workmanship are we? God's. We're not our own workmanship. 
It's not our own life. It's not about us. It's not about what we want. See, here's the problem for most people. The reason they don't know their purpose in life is they're asking the wrong question. And here's the question they're asking. What is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? That's the wrong question because you're not yours. You are, it says right there, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So the wrong question is, what is my purpose? The right question is, what is God's purpose? What does he want to do in me? What are his plans and his goals and his purposes for me to live out here on this planet? And when you begin to ask that question, then it begins to become clear. So how do you ask this question? It starts with prayer. It starts by spending time with God. See, here's what, here's what prayer does. Prayer recalibrates our mind and our thoughts and our spirit and every part of our life. Prayer reminds us that our lives are not our own, that they belong to God. Prayer draws us closer to our maker. And the closer we get to our maker, the more we understand what we were made for. It starts with prayer. In fact, it reminds me of one of my favorite verses in the Bible, I've used a lot of my favorite verses today, but man, one of my favorites is Jeremiah 29, 11. How many know what Jeremiah 29, 11 says? I mean, if you don't know it, you need to memorize it. I love Jeremiah 29, 11. You know what it says? It says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Isn't that a great verse, right? Right? And it's an awesome verse when you think about, man, God has plans for me. He has purposes for me. He has stuff for me. And he knows what they are. I know the plans I have for you. That's a great verse. And yet sometimes it can be so frustrating. Because it can be like, okay, I'm glad, God, that you know. (laughs) But I'd kind of like to know. (laughs) Isn't that true? Right? Like, I'm glad you know the plans you have for me and the purposes you have for me. But could you go ahead and tell them to me? Right? You You know what I'm saying? Right? And yet... Many of us, the reason we get frustrated with this and we don't ever really go on to know our purpose is because we never read the next verse that comes after that. Do you know what the next verse that comes after that is in Jeremiah 29, 12? 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, give you hope and a future. But you know what verse 12 says? Let's look at it together. It says, then you will call on me and come and what? And pray to me. And I will listen to you, verse 13, and you will seek me and what? And find me when what? When you seek me with all your hearts. See, here's the thing. God says, I know the plans I have for you and they're good plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. But guess what? I want you to know those plans too. And how do you know those plans? Well, I'm telling you how you know. You call upon me. You come and pray to me. You seek me. And when you seek me with all of your heart, then I will be found by you. What's God saying? God's saying, here's the first step to knowing God's purpose for your life. Prayer. Calling upon the Lord. Seeking him with all of your heart. Because the closer you get to him, the more you know him, the more you're going to know his purpose for your life. You know, there's another verse that's a little bit the same. It's powerful and yet a little bit frustrating as well. Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians chapter nine and verse, or chapter 2 and verse 9. He says, however it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those that love him. Isn't that cool? God's got stuff prepared for me that is beyond what I can see and what I can hear and what I can, I can know and understand in my mind. That is so awesome, and yet it's so frustrating. 
Because I want to see it. Come on, right? I want to hear it. I want to know it. I want to be able to understand it. Yes, it's cool, God, that you got stuff that's beyond what I can see and hear and know and understand. But could you go ahead and tell me so that I could see it and know it and hear it and understand it? Come on, right? And yet many people, the reason they're so frustrated is because they stop right there. No eyes see, no ears heard, no mind is conceived. What God has prepared for those who love him. But the very next verse, you know what it says? But God has revealed it to them. How? By his spirits. You know what that's saying? That's saying, hey, I got stuff that's beyond what you can see, hear, understand, know, and yet I want to show you what it is. And how do you know what it is? In the spirit. Through prayer. Through relationship. Through knowledge of God. The more I know God, the more I'm going to know what he created me to do. And it starts with prayer. It starts in the spirit. It starts by spending time connecting with God. Let me just show you one more. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. Look what it says. It says, call to me. What's that talking about? Prayer. And what will happen? I will answer you. And I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you did not know. Guess what, guys? You can know the things that you don't know. You can know God's purpose for your life. But how do you know it? By calling upon him, by spending time in prayer. In fact, some of you, you need to add this to your daily routine. As we're soaping together, you need to spend some time in the word, doing the scripture and the observation and and the application. But you don't need to skip over the prayer part. You need to spend some time in prayer. And as you pray, you begin to say, God, show me the things that I have not seen. Draw me close to you that I would know you. And the more I know you, the more I'm going to know who I am and what you have created me to do. It starts with prayer. So everybody say, start with prayer. Number two, write this down. I'm going to start with prayer, but the second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look for the problems. I'm going to start looking around for what are the problems that are going on around me. In fact, look at this in verse number 10. It says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Check out this part, prepared in advance. Guess what, guys? God prepared you for this specific time and place in history. God knew the struggles. God knew the problems. God knew the things that would be happening in the world. He knew the problems that would be happening in your family. He knew the stuff that would be happening in your neighborhood. He knew the stuff that would be happening in our culture and in our surroundings and in our community. He knew exactly what would be happening in your life in this moment and time. All of those problems. And guess what? He created and built you to be the solution to those problems. Man, that's incredible that God knew in advance what would be happening. And he prepared me in advance. All of my gifts and all of my talents and all of the abilities and all the experiences and all the personality and all the stuff that I have. God made me specifically, uniquely designed to be the solution to the problems that would be happening in the world around me. Come on, that'll blow your mind. And if you want to know God's purpose for you, here's what you do. You begin to look around. And you begin to see, what are the problems that are happening around me? Who are the people that are hurting? What are the struggles? What are the things that are happening in my neighborhood or in our church or in our family or in our world that God has uniquely designed me to be the solution to that problem? And when you begin to pray, guess what happens? God begins to open your eyes and you begin to see. And these problems around you are actually clues to the purpose that God has for you. Because the purpose that God has for you is to be a solution to the struggles and the problems of this world. And so, in fact, some of you, as you begin to look around, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have what we like to call here at LifeGate a Popeye moment. 
How many remember the old, the old cartoon, the Popeye cartoon? Remember? And you had Popeye, and then you had olive oil, the world's ugliest girlfriend ever. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't even know what, she, what he saw in her. And, and then you had, you had Brutus, right? And Brutus was the Popeye's enemy. And, and what would happen is he'd mess with olive oil and mess with olive oil until finally Popeye would have the Popeye moment. And he would, man, remember, he would, he would look at Brutus and he would say, that's all I can stand, I can't stand no more. Come on, you remember that? And then he would eat his, eat his spinach and his biceps and his, his arms would bulge and he would go put a whooping on Brutus. Come on, you remember that, right? And some of you know what you need to have? As you look around, you see problems in the world, you need to have a Popeye moment. You need to look around and say, that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. Somebody's got to do something. And God has uniquely designed me to be the one who is the solution to the problem. To the problem. In fact, some of you are going to look around. And you're going to see, as you're praying, you're going to see some problems. You're going to see some teenagers who are struggling. Maybe some that are dealing with alcohol or drug issues or maybe their parents have gone through a divorce or some who are dealing with sexuality issues or self-image issues or even suicidal issues and you're going to see that and God's going to do something in your heart and you're going to raise up just like Popeye and say, man, that just can't happen. Not on my watch. I'm going to step up and do something about it. Some of you are going to be like my friends Kip and Teresa. You guys know the Boydstons who... Just a few years ago, as Teresa was working in the Joshua School District, she began to see the lives of these teenagers and these people that had just been torn apart by all kinds of stuff right, right here in, in Joshua, Texas. And she rose up, and her and Kip said, man, we've we got to have a Popeye moment. We can't stand this anymore. We've got to do something about the lives of these teenagers. And they began a Young Life program in Joshua School District. And it started small, but that thing has grown to where now every single Monday night they have 70, 80, 90 students during the school year who come together, and they're making an impact on their lives, even to the point where they didn't have anywhere to have this. And so they went out, and they rented a place, and they, and they got the place ready so that every Monday night those kids can come and they pour into those kids' lives. They found their purpose by looking around at the problems that they saw around them. Some of you are going to look around and you're going to see kids that don't have a home. You're going to say, man, something's got to be done. We told you about it back in February. 30,000 students, kids that are in the foster care system just in the state of Texas. Some of you are going to look around and God's going to speak to your heart and say, you need to do something about it. You're going to be like Pastor Kyle was, who was here back in February. You remember when he heard about kids that were aging out of the foster, the foster care system, and when they become 18, they have nowhere to go, so they just put all their stuff in a, black, in a black bag and just send them out on the street and say, you're on your own from now on. And he saw that, and something rose up in him, a Popeye moment. He said, that can't happen. Not on my watch. Something's got to be done, and I'm going to do something about it. And he began a program called Phased In, which we actually support, that takes these kids in and prepares them for adulthood. He stood up and said, I see a problem, and I'm going to be the answer to the problem. Some of you are going to be like our friends Tara and Tammy, who just a couple of years ago, they looked around, and they saw they saw moms who were teenagers who were having, having babies and they, they didn't have a husband and they didn't have a family and, and they were even considering abortion and they said, no, we can't let that happen. We've got to take care of these moms who are scared and don't know what to do. And they began a ministry called Embrace Grace, which we have going on this summer here at LifeGate to take care of these moms and to, and to have baby showers for them and to support them and to love on them and to help them as they're going through this scary moment in their lives. 
Some of you are going to be like our friends Chris and Angela, Angela, who just a few weeks ago, God began to show them the problems of people who are struggling with, like with grief and with addictions and with hurts and with, with stuff that they just don't know how to overcome and have freedom from. And they said, man, i got to do something about it. And God has gifted me and given me the abilities to step up and be able to do it. And so they started a ministry called Powerful Peace that just met just this past Friday night where people are coming in and finding freedom and finding peace in their lives. This is how it works, guys. You start with prayer. And as you pray, man, you begin to look around and God begins to show you the problems that he has uniquely designed you to be the solution to. I'll tell you, it happened for me just about six or seven years ago. I got a phone call from a pastor friend of mine. He said, Pastor, he said, I want you to go with me to this golf tournament. Now, that got my attention real fast, right? I want you to go to this golf tournament that's at this very famous golf course. It's bucket list type of thing, and I want you to just come and play with me on my team. And I said, well, you know, he said, I said, I know what those things are about. All these pastors get together, and we get to play, and that's fun. But then they want you to give money, and I just don't got no money. You know what I'm saying? And I'll just be honest, like at that moment in time, I was pretty frustrated with, with the way our missions were the way our church was responding to missions. I would preach it, and it just didn't feel like people responded. I remember even thinking, you know, like maybe that's just not what we're supposed to do as a church and just struggling with that. I said, man, we don't have any money to give to the, to the thing that they're raising money for. And he said, hey, you don't have to have any money. You don't have to make a pledge even. Our church has done enough that I can invite a friend. You just come play with me and be my, be my partner, and we'll just have a good time. I said, all right, I'll do that. <laughs> we went on the trip, get there. All intentions of doing nothing but just playing golf, enjoying time with my friends, not going to write anything down on that pledge card or give any money. And before we even swung a club, we went into the banquet and they began to share about the fact that there are people in the world, all these languages, who don't have the power of the word of God in their lives. Something happened in me. It was like a Popeye moment that God said, your church is called to change lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. And there are people in the world who don't have the unchanging truth in their language. This is why I, I used golf to get you here, but I tricked you. This is why you're here today. And I want you to go back. And every single year, I want you to put in front of your people that as a church, we're going to come together and we're going to put Bibles into the hands of people who don't have Bibles because that's the vision of our church. It was a Popeye moment where there was a problem and I rose up and said, we're going to do something about it. This is how God reveals his purpose through prayer. Look for the problems. Number three, I got to hurry. You're going to not just look for the problems. You're going to explore your passions. Everybody say, explore your passions. Check this out. Verse 10, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Here's the thing you've got to understand. The purposes of God for your life will flow from the passions that God has put in your hearts. And God's not going to call you to do something that he will not put passion in your heart to do. Those passions are clues to what God has called you to do. Some of you love music. That's a clue. Some of you are, are good at being with people, and that's what you're passionate about. That's a clue to your purpose. Some of you love doing technical stuff and computers and all that stuff. That's a clue to the purpose that God has for your life. Some of you, you like working with your hands and building and creating and fixing stuff. That's a clue for you to the purpose that God has for you. Not for me. I'm clueless when it comes to that stuff. But So what do you got to do? You got to look at what are the things I'm passionate about? Check it out in Proverbs 27, verse 19. As water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects a man. Guess what? The things that God has purposed for you to do are going to be things that he's already put inside your heart when he created you. You just begin to look. What's going on inside of me? 
What are the things that I'm passionate about? In fact, we want to help you with this. This is why we have Life Track. Next week is step one. Once again, you can jump in there. And part of the Life Track is what we do is we help you to discover what are the things you're good at? What are the spiritual gifts, the passions, the things that God has put you in, put in your life so that you can step up and accomplish his purposes. You start with prayer. You look for the problems around you. You explore the passions that are inside of you. But number four, check this out. You connect with people. Check this out. I'd never noticed this before until I started studying it for this, pas- for this, this passage, for this message. But look what it says in verse 10. To do good works, which God prepared us to do. I'd never noticed that. You know what that word is? You know what they call that in English? They call that plural. It doesn't say God prepared me to do. What does it say? God prepared us to do. You know what that's saying? That's saying that your purpose is not, that God has for you is not something that you're called to do on your own. It's something that we're called to do together as the body of Christ, as the family of God, to get on God's team and do it together as a team. And here's the deal. I'll tell you, God will develop you by yourself, but guess what? You know where he's going to use you? He's going to use you in the context of a family in a team, in relationship. In fact, it's in those relationships that we come together and we partner together to accomplish more for the kingdom of God. I love what the scripture says in Ecclesiastes chapter four, that two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. This is why it's so important that you become a part of a church family. This is why I challenge you all the time don't just come to church every once in a while. Be in church every single week. And I know it's, it's, it's this time of year where it's a holiday and, and, it's, and it's vacation time and all that. But if you are in town, be in church. Because here's the deal. Your purpose is not just for you. Oh, it's me and God. We do. No, 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 no. It's us, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is why it's so important that you get on a team. Man, if you're not serving somewhere, find somewhere and serve. Get on the parking team or the greeter team or the life kids team or the, or the, or the LifeGate youth team or the worship team or the media team or somewhere. Get on the outreach team to go and take care of the homeless. Do something. Get on a team because that's where your purpose is going to become alive. This is why we're challenging everyone with this fire Bible thing. Guess what? I give to fire Bible every single year. But what I give is only a little compared to what we can do together. In fact, I'm challenging every family to do their part. And you know what? Since that time six years ago, you know, we've been able to give a little over $75,000 to fire Bible. That's 7,500 Bibles that have been put in people's hands. And we did that together. Our scripture, Ephesians 2.10, God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Observation, the more you know God, the more you'll know your purpose. Application, man, I'm going to pray. I'm going to look for the problems. I'm going to explore the passions in my heart. I'm going to get with the people that God has put me with so that I can accomplish his purpose. So what is the prayer for the day? The prayer for the day is this, God, I want to know you so that I can know that you called me. 